You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exorcise the demons of another doomed season. I have exorcised the demons. This house is clear. Okay, and we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime, who you know, who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're going to get to the momentous news from today here in just a second, but we received a ping on social media on Twitter earlier today. I think it was from our friend JT across the pond in the UK about the prospect of bringing Stefan Diggs over here from Minnesota. And as exciting as it is to think about, you know, getting the band back together for Pat Shermer, you got to remember Stefan Diggs pipe dream. Sure. But he's under contract through 2023 in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, I like the out of the box thinking by, I think it was Nick Kendall who brought it up chat on Twitter. He, he's the one that floated out there and I love the outside the box thinking. I love the creative thinking, but this is a guy who just signed a contract. I think in 2018, in the summer of 2018, he's in a cost, uh, a big lump sum of draft capital to acquire on top of his contract. As much as he's a good player, he's not a Julio Jones. He's not that truly elite level receiver. I'd rather the Broncos look for their wide receiver too in the draft. He'd be cheaper, younger, I think more upside, speedier, and you don't have to give him a big contract yet or invest multiple draft picks, Chad. Speaking of pipe dreams, Nick Kendall, and also speaking of Nick Kendall, he published an article today on what his pipe dream is for pick 15 in the draft. And it is none other than, of course, he's an Iowa guy, so shocker, shocker, Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle there in Iowa, who announced very recently that he is, in fact, going to enter the draft. The more I've thought about it, and, you know, this is a take that's going to probably evolve the closer we get to to draft time, but the more I thought about it, Zach, the more I'm less inclined to go wide receiver in the first round because it's such a deep class, you can get it day two, day three, and still find impact guys that are going to fit that skill set, that need that you're going to want in uh, Pat Shermer's offense, and look for something more long-term slash immediate impact, whether it's offensive tackle. You know, if you can get Isaiah Simmons there at pick 15, if you can get a corner there, there's this is such a deep wide receiver class that you can afford to not, you know, to pass on the the first round guys early because it's so deep. 
It's true. I mean, there's so many options the Broncos have, Chad. They don't have to p- pigeonhole themselves into a receiver or a tackle. They can go anywhere across the board, and that's why I feel like Elway will kind of let the draft dictate itself and let the board fall to him as opposed to reaching or trading up or trading back. Regardless, they're in a prime position at 15 here. If they stay put to land either a premier tackle, an instant impact wide receiver, or someone on the defensive side of the ball like a cornerback or a linebacker. So there's many options. I went into the offseason wanting a tackle in the in round one at 15. But I realized that maybe a tackle wouldn't fall to the Broncos. I wouldn't want the Broncos reaching or trading back. So if rugs fell, I'd be happy with rugs. If it's worse on the board, I'd be happy with worse. Either way. The Broncos should get a player they desperately need at 15. It's so fun, dude. This time of year is so fun to just think about how this roster can unfold during the offseason, whether it's through free agency or the draft. It's going to be so much fun to break this thing down. And let us welcome in everybody who has been hanging out in the room and who's joining us now on YouTube and Facebook. Stu, Vitrone, Epic Gaming, Oof, or Oof, however you pronounce that, my friend. Adam, Noble Young, Jason, what's up, everybody? Welcome in. We're going to dive into the Denver Broncos firing their quarterbacks coach, which is no big shocker. We're going to talk about that, how it affects Drew Locke, what the implications are, who the biggest, you know, most likely option is to replace him at quarterbacks coach. But first, you guys, a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Guys, that's simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time at HuddleUpPod. If I can find the right ticker here, this thing's being super sensitive. Nice and easy for you guys right there at HuddleUpPod. Zach and I, we love interacting with you guys on our personal accounts, but make sure you are also following the main show account. And then if you haven't done this, take a second, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review on the show. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a five-star rating. It's a great organic way to support the show. Helps us out a lot, and it can help you out as well by entering into our monthly drawing for some swag, whether it's a hat, whether it's a shirt. We announce that at the beginning of each month. Who won? We randomly select a name or two out of that out of the hat of those who did review us on Apple Podcasts, send you some swag. So take care of that business. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. For anyone who's been down that road, living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of our listeners probably have some type of pain 
that has prevented them from relaxing and sleeping or has stopped them from exercising. Perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments they've tried. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is especially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is, this is 100% natural, a CBD-powered remedy, and it works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and the relief lasts up to 8 hours, which is much longer than the -the over-the-counter alternatives. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze CBD Pain Relief Roll-On, plus free shipping. This discount also applies toward any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code OVERTIME. That's O-M-A-X, health.com, and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off CryoFreeze and site-wide. All right, Zach, let me see here. Let's talk about this. So the Denver Broncos, you know, we spitballed this earlier in the week when we found out what was happening with, of course, Rich Scangarello getting fired on Sunday, Pat Shermer being announced. Pat Shermer, by the way, flew into Denver uh, Monday, walked the building, ironed out the kinks. Tuesday, officially announced by the team as a new offensive coordinator. The next day, the Denver Broncos fire T.C. McCartney. Shermer wants to have his quarterbacks coach, Zach. What was your immediate, his handpicked guy, what was your immediate gut reaction to McCartney getting shown the door? You know what? Once I heard that Scangarello was a goner chat, we just talked about this off camera. I think it was a package deal with Scangarello, two young guys leading the offense. And once he was fired, I knew it would only be a matter of time for McCartney. Shermer is pretty much the head coach of the offense at this point, And any head coach of any NFL team wants to bring in his own guys. So I'm not surprised. But who needs continuity? I just don't understand the Broncos are just cleaning house here, and it just makes it a little more harder for Drew Locke to to establish himself in this offense. He has no basis from last year from which to lean on any sort of coaching. So uh, I guess, though, if they're ripping off the Band-Aid, don't do it halfway. Just rip off completely and clean house. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you worry a little bit about any kind of negative impact it could have on Drew Locke because the credit that you give Rich Scangarello for – you know, seeing Drew Locke take such a, a massive leap forward in his rookie year, which, I mean, we all we're, we were both high on Drew Locke, but I don't think either one of us expected him to kind of blow the doors down the way he did in his rookie debut. Yeah, it was late in the season, but to go 4-1, and one, set NFL records, set franchise records along the way, Rich Gingarello deserves some credit for that, and so does, of course, T.C. McCartney, who was his position coach, and now Drew Locke's losing that tether, that 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 kind of keeps him locked in continuity-wise, this the, a familiar face, all that, the ground beneath him is kind of shifting a little bit. And so what you hope is if you're going to make a change and you're going to interrupt that continuity, Zach, the hope is that it's going to take a little bit of a step backward for Drew Locke in the very, very short term. But the idea is to do that so he can leap forward by you know the quantum leap, if you will, by the time you get to the regular season. The Broncos and Vic Fangio believe Pat Shermer, and whoever he ends up tapping, we'll talk about some options there, to come in as quarterback's coach is going to give Drew Locke the best opportunity to do just that. 
Yeah, it's for the greater good, I believe, and uh, they want someone more proven in the position, but I just, you, you have to have someone in the system who, who Locke can fall back on, and McCartney was actually a pretty crucial component of Locke's development last year. It came along incremental, and, and McCartney was pretty much cutting his teeth with the Broncos, but he had local roots, he had uh, familiar ties to the organization. It was a nice landing spot for him. I just wanted that for Locke to have some sort of semblance of familiarity among the coaching staff, but the only thing that reassures me is he's been through this before Locke in Missouri. He went through system after system, coach after coach, and it's only a second year. I mean, if they're going to do it, might as well do it now before his first starting season as a full-time starter. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm kind of getting over this Kangarello firing now, accepting Shermer. So not surprised at all about McCartney. I mean, it's not ideal. Anytime you interrupt continuity for a young quarterback, it's, it's not ideal. But we're not talking about, here's the good news, Broncos country. We're not talking about Paxton Lynch. Drew Locke, has what it takes between the ears to roll with the punches. You know, he, he, I mean, he attacked the, the verbiage, the long play calls that came with Rich Scangarello's offense last year. We know how, how much time and effort it took for him to master the, the, the nomenclature in Scangarello's offense. There was the story in him talking about how he would go into the mirror at the hotel during training camp and, you know, his roommate Dalton Reiser could hear him reciting plays into the mirror and all that. It took time for him. It was a brand new offense. I expect him, I mean, as you said, I, I think technically it's his fifth coordinator in six years. Hmm. So whereas this will be the fifth coordinator in the last five years for the Broncos, for Locke, it's the fifth in the last six. But he has, because of that, it's made him sharper. It's made him more amenable to pick things up quickly. It's kind of like Zach military brats what, that are getting moved around a lot. You know, it's not ideal for a kid to constantly be moving around in a perfect world. You don't love that. But most of them, what ends up happening is they become their, – their social skills become sharply honed. They become very good at making friends, connecting, and fitting in wherever they go because they have to do it so often. And in that same sense, Zach, you're thinking, well, with Drew Locke, because he is so smart, the talent and the traits speak for themselves. But he's also smart enough, I think, to roll with these punches and handle it with a plump. Yeah, we saw how he handled adversity last year, Chad, on the field, and Locke bounced back, and he proved in that one instance that he's not Paxton Lynch, that he's the antithesis of Paxton Lynch. But now the Broncos, okay, they changed it once. They can get away with it now. But they have to stick with Shermer, Chad, beyond this season. They can't keep rolling coordinator after coordinator out there. He has to be the guy, good or bad, Shermer, for at least two, three, four, five years, give some sort of continuity to Locke and help him build. He's such an impressionable quarterback right now. He's an infant in terms of NFL terms. So to mold his developmental skills to mold his teaching skills to really raise him as an NFL quarterback they can't keep changing parents every single season stick with one or two and go forward Jay well it's actually Jeff Cohen that we know him as Jeff Cohen from Twitter jumps in with a $20 donation on Super Chat we appreciate you Jeff thank you Jeff Chad Zach greetings Jeff Cohen agree Kelberman Locke was budding with TC and Skanks now he has to start from scratch after admitting he had issues getting it going backwards like me and Zach moving back to Coral <laughs> Springs I, I believe Jeff you actually uh, hit me up on Twitter and told me that you uh, live there it's crazy I thought no one else was from that corner of the world Coral Springs so that's pretty nuts I would never go back though so it's a pipe dream you know that's the thing though I mean as far as TC and Skanks look Vic Fangio was a first-year head coach, right? You don't use the term rookie head coach for, for, for coaches. He's a first-year head coach, and his expertise, John Elway wanted a head coach that was an expert on one side of the ball. Well, for Vic Fangio, that was as a defensive czar. And as a first-year guy that wanted to be able to focus, still calling the plays on defense, 
he, in a perfect world, he should have had a more experienced offensive coordinator. And if you're going to get a first-year offensive coordinator like Rich Scangarello, you hope that you have a more experienced quarterback's coach. And this is not to poo-poo on anything McCartney did because I think rolling with those punches of having to get three different quarterbacks ready to start, and especially what Drew Locke did down the stretch is a credit to McCartney, but you would ideally want to have a more experienced veteran in that position. And hopefully, you know, this is something that McCartney can use on his resume to build and grow, you know, his, his coaching tree in the NFL. But now the Broncos, it's looking like Zach, they're going to grab someone that Shermer has worked with before a veteran in the league don't be surprised if it ends up being Mike Shula, who has been a coordinator under uh, Shermer in New York the last couple of years and was also the brainchild behind that Carolina Panthers offense in 2015 that propelled Cam Newton to 50 total touchdowns, MVP, and Super Bowl 50, even though it was ultimately a loss. Much like the Sangarello hire, though, and, and bringing on McCartney, it, it's going to be a very title-only role, though, I believe, if Shula gets that job, because Sherber's going to be the one working with the quarterback's chat. That's the whole reason why the Broncos hired him, just like Sangarello, for his quarterback development. So Shula will come in more than likely, or someone close to Shermer and ha- who's worked with him in the past. But I agree with that one thing. To go into last year having a first-year coordinator and likely starting a rookie quarterback and having a 29-year-old quarterback coach, that wasn't the best setup when you have a experienced defense Defensive coordinator, experienced head coach, at least as a defensive coach, it was a bad setup. So I understand why they're going that route. But if Shula gets the job, it's going to be Shermer's whole responsibility. It's a title only position because he's going to be working with the quarterbacks. So that's one thing that I'm least excited about. By the way, Stu jumps in with a twenty dollar, <clears throat> excuse me, donation on Super Chat. Thank one you, of our, our true studs. We appreciate you. you, Stu, so much. Something that Jacob says here. This is basically my view on, and this was what I was trying to say earlier in the pod it says, I think these moves while disregarding continuity signal how much the organization trusts that drew Locke can truly handle another playbook change. Unlike recent goofballs who will remain unnamed. I'll name them. Maybe Chad Kelly, maybe Paxton Lynch, where you got a question what's going on between those years. But didn't they change coordinators though from 2016, 2017? They did those for Pax and Lynch as well. So, I mean, it's, I wouldn't put so much faith in Locke. I just think that Elway and Fangio made the right move for the best interest of the organization. And there was some sort of personal conflict between Scangarello and Fangio. Something didn't work out there. I don't really subscribe to that theory that they believe. I'm sure they have confidence, Chad, considering his history, but I don't think they did it for that reason alone. Maybe not necessarily for that reason, Zach, but it's a, it It plays into it. You know, I don't think they would have done it if they didn't think Locke could roll with the punches. I think that's probably a better that's way true. of saying it. Like, they yeah. feel like he can handle it. And by the way, Daniel jumps in with a $5 donation. Thank you, Daniel. Super chat. Appreciate you, Dan. He says, very happy to have found you all recently. Great channel and always list, uh, enjoy listening. Appreciate that. Thank you. Time. Benjamin on Facebook. Maybe Drew got what he needed as far as a foundation for Skangs and can dive into the deeper waters with Shermer training wheels coming off type of thing. Maybe that's true, Zach. No doubt about it, though. He's going to be working with a significantly more experienced and productive from a track record and resume perspective. Offensive coordinator and play caller in Pat Shermer doesn't necessarily mean the scheme's going to be a whole heck of a lot different when you boil it down. It will be different. Don't get me wrong. But from like a, you know, it's not going to be exactly fish out of water, so to speak, for Drew Locke going from Scangarello to Pat Shermer because and this is something that we'll get into farther is the farther we get into the offseason. I know the fellows over building the Broncos, they're going to be spending a lot of time the next few episodes bringing on guests to kind of break down what the Shermer offense really is. 
But if you boil it down, it's West Coast with spread concepts, all right? And so Drew Locke's already got one foot in the door when it comes to the West Coast offense, having played that one year under Scangarello. So, yeah, in a perfect world, Zach, you hope that he can get that other foot through the door and really step into being the the guy and that next level as an NFL quarterback under Shermer in year two. It's a really interesting point because let's say Locke goes on to have success this year. Scangarello is going to get no credit, Chad, for that development. It's all going to go to Shermer. So, right. you know, that's a really good point that he laid down the foundation for which Locke to base his game on. The only difference in play calling is I believe Shermer will call more uh, deep balls, more aggressive vertical plays to take advantage of Locke's arm. I think that's one of the main disconnects between Scangarello and Fangio. It was too conservative. It was too... Uh, uh, passive. It, it wasn't aggressive, and that's why I think Shermer is going to dial up those play fakes, keep defenses on their toes, and really take advantage of Locke's game. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just a more aggressive mindset. I mean, if you think back even to Locke's debut in Week 13, and the way that game unfolded in the closing minutes, it was Scangarello wanted to punt that ball at the end. And Fangio overruled him. Not punt, excuse me, kneel on it to, and just yep. take it to overtime. Fangio overruled him on the headset and ended up throwing it deep and to see what they could either get a big play from Cortland Sutton or maybe draw a PI to put him in field goal range. And it paid off. Sometimes you got to roll the dice. You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And that wasn't something that Scangarello was quite ready to embrace. He, he coached not to lose, which means he's coaching scared more often than not. And that came out in the wash in terms of how that Broncos offense looked for most of the season. You know, Angela jumps in, just figuring out how to donate. LOL. Well, thank, thank you. you, Angela. Appreciate it. And then he jumps back in with a $21 donation on Super Chat. Canadian, uh, up in Canada, any other offensive coaches at risk? And that's a good question, Zach, and something I wanted to talk about. Thank you, Angela. About could anybody else be on the chopping block? We all signs from what I've heard, Mike Munchak, Chris Cooper, the offensive line guys, they're 100% safe. But could the Zach Azanis, the wide receivers coach, mm-hmm. the tight ends coach Wade Harmon, could the running backs coach um, – oh, geez, I just – Mockins. Thank you, Curtis Modkins. I almost said his predecessor, Studisville. Could any of those guys going way back be at risk? I mean, if you're going to make a change, you know, to get your guy in there so that you're, this is a good way that to kind of think of it. One of the reasons why you see offensive coordinators when, or defensive coordinators, whoever, when they get hired, they issue the previous staff, even if they were doing a good job, and bring in their own guys. The reason being, and the primary reason, Zach, that they don't want to spend their time coaching the coaches. They want to coach the players. They want to have to train up and spend as much time 
telling the coaches how to approach coaching the players as they do actually coaching the players. And so it's not just a fit. It's not just a comfortability thing. It's literally also an efficient, a matter of efficiency. I don't really see – I was going to say Chris Cooper, Chad, but if he is relatively safe, I don't really see him getting the chopping block either. Obviously, Munchak is safe. Azani, to me, is he's done a great job with Cortland Sutton yeah. the last couple of years. He should be definitely safe. Modikin's done a really good job with Philip Lindsay. Harmon, he's only been there for one year, and he had a pretty good season with Noah Fant. I believe – I'd have to say most of the coaches, Chad, are safe on the offensive side of the ball. The one coach I keep hammering this point who needs to be fired today is Tom McMahon. <laughs> yeah. That has to happen. All right, Joel jumps in on Facebook. Do you think we'll be more a more passing team now as our identity because of Shermer's offensive style? Maybe slightly, but I think you're going to see the Broncos really try and strive for balance, especially with a young quarterback going into his second year. What you're going to see, though, is when the Broncos pass, they're going to be a much more um, dynamic and aggressive vertically yes. type of offense. You're going to see in basically each and every play – the Broncos are going to be trying to attack the defense vertically, stretch the field, you know, try and take the top off or at least threaten to do that, which opens up other opportunities underneath and and for the quarterback to, you know, find find that open guy. No one is going to confuse the Broncos next year under Sherber with the, the you know the Aaron Rodgers Packers, the Mahomes Chiefs. They're not going to become a pure passing, you know, 99, 2000 Rams offense, but they're going to be when they do pass, way more efficient, more aggressive, like Chad just said, uh, taking more shots down the field. They're going to take advantage and be smarter with their play calling, work smarter, not harder with Shermer. They're going to be aggressive in certain points, but a balanced overall attack. Phillip Lindsay is going to get a ton of run. It's not going to all be Drew Locke. It's going to be a 50-50 approach, but when they do pass off a of play fix, off a of shotgun, it's going to be down the field, and I think taking advantage and calling plays that suit lock style. Exactly. And that's one of the things we were talking about a couple days ago on the pod is that one thing you got to like about the Shermer hire is it plays, I think, a little bit more to Drew Locke's strengths. A, his, his gunslinger mindset and mentality and having the X's and O's to maximize that. And then also that arm strength, that cannon that he has attached to his right shoulder, when you have more vertical, and we saw that too, when Drew Locke's out there, he wants to push the ball down the field. Yep. And so I think that's going to play nicely with, with Pat Shermer. Our friend Eclipse Stormborn jumps in, $5 donation on Thank Super you, sir. Chat. You demand Eclipse. He says, please let Tom McMahon be the next one out the door. Brandon Allen uh, for starter, Locke for president in 2010. 2020 or probably LOL piece from Philly, Brandon Allen for starter. <laughs> what are you trying to say there, brother? I mean, if he's president lock, you need a quarterback for the Broncos. So I guess that would be Brandon <laughs> Allen. But yeah, Tom McMahon, he has to go, Chad. I, I, he has to get his pink slip. If there's any sort of accountability on this team, if Fangio really wants to improve, it can't be just Scangarello. you got to get rid of the guy who's been around from the Vance Joseph days. Our friend Jedi Joshua, a true OG of the show, been a longtime listener of the Huddle Up podcast for, a, I don't know, a couple so, of years at least, jumps in with a $10 donation you, on Super Chat. We love you, Josh. Thanks, brother. Let's see what else we've got here. Terry Randall becoming one of our true superstars on Super Chat. Terry, in case you haven't, uh, we haven't talked about this before, make sure you reach out to us at uh, milehighhuddle at gmail.com so that we can show our gratitude to you for supporting the show. Friend Jason jumps in with a $5 donation. Thank you, you as Jason. well, Jason, should reach out to us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. He says, I personally show, or I personally know Shula. Oh, you personally know Shula. Okay. And I can tell you that he will have Locke in the MVP category next year. 
Denver will surprise a lot of people. That's interesting, Zach. And for what it's worth, Jason, if you really do know Mike Shula, or maybe you're just saying that in a general sense, like if I know Mike Shula based on his track record, but if you mean like you know the dude, maybe you can you can verify this. But the word on the street, what I've been told, is that, of course, we, we've addressed this a little bit a couple days ago, but the Giants had the opportunity to draft Drew Locke in the first round last year under Shermer. And it ended up being, of course, Daniel Jones out of Duke. What I've been told, though, is that Pat Shermer and Mike Shula liked Locke a little bit more than Daniel Jones and that it was the GM, Dave Gettleman, that ultimately was the you know the tiebreaker, if you will, or the deciding factor. He is the GM going with Daniel Jones. And if that's true, even if it's not true, that's what you tell Drew Locke if you're, <laughs> if you're Pat Shermer, right? But if it is true, I think that that really speaks to – you know, kind of the cosmic serendipity, if you will, of this perhaps being a really good fit. It is. And I don't know about MVP, but you look at it like 2018 was the year of Mahomes, 2019 was the year of Lamar Jackson, and 2020 could be the year of Drew Locke, perhaps. But if he's anywhere close, Chad, to the MVP race, the Broncos will be a playoff team. They might even be a division champion next year if Locke plays at that level. He has the talent, and the Broncos have the supporting cast to make that happen. We appreciate you, Terry, jumping back in with the $10 donation. You're awesome. Travis says from Facebook, Hi, Chad and Zach. Always love hearing your thoughts. Do you believe this hire in offensive coordinator is the best option out there? And do you personally think the Broncos are on the right track offensively for 2020? And if so, what do you feel are the top draft needs for the first selected relevant draft spots? First and foremost, let's let's just consider who the other options were out there in terms of bona fide play callers. We talked about Jason Garrett as a as a option. He's interviewing with the New York Giants for the OC job, which also Mike Shula, um, Shula an option. Norv Turner was an option. There were some Gary, you know, Gary Kubiak. Of course, it wasn't going to. He got tied back to Denver for whatever reason. I heard a lot of fans were like. Got a lot of questions on social media. Could this mean that Gary Kubiak's coming back when when Scangarello was initially fired? That is not going to happen. So yeah. long as John Elway is in the front office and Vic Fangio's the head coach, <laughs> Kubiak's not coming back to Denver. But there were some uh, there were some options out there for the Denver Broncos. Vic Fangio ended up wanting Shermer, and one of the primary reasons behind that is that he has always. He's always respected what Shermer brings to the table as a defensive coordinator having to scheme against Shermer's teams over the years. They both coached in the NFL. Well, Fangio's 40 years now in the NFL, basically. And Shermer's been coaching now in the NFL 21 years. And so that's something Fangio talked about when he was introduced as the new head coach in Denver when he was asked what type of – this was long before Scangarello was on the radar. What type of offense or offensive coordinator are you going to prioritize as head coach? And he basically said, I know what is the hardest for me to scheme against as a defensive coordinator. That's the type of person I'm going to look for. He ended up having Scangarello foisted on him. Zach, this time he got he ended up choosing the guy. And I you, you have to believe that it falls into that mold. And he said this much in his statement following the the actual announcement that Shermer had been hired. So I do think it it was a good option for the Denver Broncos. Was it the best option? I'd have to probably spend a little bit more time chewing on that. Off the cuff, I think it was the best option for the Denver Broncos. I think it's it's pretty safe to say that at least it's a step forward. And, yes, I do think, Travis, that the Broncos are on the right track offensively for 2020. 
Yeah, Chad, I, I tend to agree with you. I think based on the bunch that you mentioned, he was definitely the best option considering his history and considering his quarterback prowess. And I think, like you said, Fangio genuinely respects him as an NFL coach. I don't want a Jason Garrett. I don't want a Norv Turner. So if they were going to fire Scangarello and they were going to hire someone from this group, I think Shermer was the best of the bunch. Like you say, as long as Locke doesn't get injured, knock wood, or he doesn't take a step back in his development, this will be a step forward. But as to to answer right now if he's the right coach for this team Shermer, if he's the right choice we don't know until the game starts to play out a little more we don't know until this team starts to take shape what they can do with drew lock we won't know yet but based on paper based on his history Shermer, i think this was an upgrade in a sense for denver this is the overtime podcast network all right let's grab this one here from buona beast great member of our community on youtube he says uh, Evan Ingram had a good uh, rookie year. Otherwise, he's been injured. Honestly, I just don't see Noah Fant having the ability to work his way through routes. But I had bigger doubts with the old offense anyway. Zach, the one thing is, you know, we kind of touched on this a couple pods ago, and it's grown in terms of its, you know, uh, knee jerk in the fan base. Fans are suddenly worried that the Broncos wasted their first round pick last year in Noah Fant because the Shermer offense, you know, doesn't prioritize tight ends as much and that there's more three wide, four wide and five wide sets. That's not the case. No fan is going to be a focal point of this offense. Evan Ingram, as Bonabies pointed out, yes, he did struggle with injury issues, but when he was healthy, he was a part of the f- offensive focus for the New York Giants under Shermer. You can go back farther to, um, I just, it just slipped my mind. Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. Shermer made him a focus. You can go back even farther. Chad Lewis in Philadelphia back in the day. The tight end one, the, the, the number one guy on the depth chart, is going to be significantly a part of this passing offense, Zach. It's the second tight end. It's just not going to be on the field as much unless the first guy's hurt or needs a rest. So don't worry so much about that, about no offense suddenly becoming a non-priority to the Broncos. It's quite the contrary. Shermer's going to find a way to get more out of no offense you're just going to see less of the Hiremans. You're going to see less of the uh, Fumagallis and Jake Butts if he ends up you know, being healthy enough to contribute and probably hardly anything from the fullback, which is why when you do have a fullback on the field in a Shermer offense, Zach, you want to, it's a guy that can play kind of H-back, kind of in between. He can play fullback and play tight end, which favors a guy like Andrew Beck. Position flexibility, Chad, is so clutch in the NFL. I, interesting, I actually wrote about the uh, the tight end coach for the Giants today because he just got hired by the Cowboys. And in researching that, you know, Evan Ingram made only 19 appearances, 14 starts over two seasons. When he was on the field, like you said, he was a productive player. But last year, a little-known rookie named Caden Smith came along, and he had uh, 300 yards, three touchdowns. He caught a bunch of balls. He was really blossoming in the offense, filling in for Evan Ingram, or blossoming, relatively speaking, considering the Eli Manning and Daniel Jones Jones combination under center. So I really wouldn't be too worried. I wouldn't leap off a ledge thinking that Shermer's going to neglect Noah fan. They use a first round pick on him and a John Elway and Vic Fangio were smart. They would say to Shermer, don't not let him get involved. Keep him in the system. Throw passes his way. Don't ignore him. But that doesn't mean that if, you know, if Hireman comes back, he will be an afterthought. If uh, Fumagalli, he's not going to be an afterthought. They will get their tight ends involved. Shermer actually developed one in New York last year. So if they can be on that scheme and on that system, they're going to have some uh, little-known players as pass catchers in this offense. It just means basically in the Shanahan style of the West Coast offense, you saw – and you can watch it when you see the Niners play uh, this coming weekend. Pay attention to this. You see a lot more two-back and two tight end sets, 12 and 22 personnel. 
And with the Shermer offense, it's not that you're never going to see that. It's just going to be significantly less. You're going to see mostly one tight end on the field at all times, three wide receivers, and single back sets. So it's just, you know, it's just nothing to freak out about at this stage is what we're trying to tell you guys. Mark jumps in, $5 donation on Super Thank Chat. You, Mark. Mark, hit us up on Gmail, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. You've been so consistent in your support for the show. Appreciate you, bro. He says, you guys are the best. So much respect for Zach Perna and Chad Gangsta. Hashtag Orange Crush. Thanks, brother. We uh, have to keep this pod a little bit short. It's my fault. I apologize. You guys will try and make up for it on tomorrow's uh, Mile High Mailbag. Let's grab one or two more, though, before we get on out of here. Uh, let's see what Gio has to say. Gio Vandermark jumps in. $10 donation. Thank you. Absolutely love the show. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you, Gio. Appreciate you. It's good to see you, man. Appreciate you. Let's see questions-wise. Bear with me here, guys. Let's find one here. Nick on YouTube says, should we take it seriously when Colin Cowherd says we will be the most improved team in 2020? Now, we have talked about, Zach, we don't take much of what Cowherd says to the bank, but he is one guy saying that the Denver Broncos, he's high on the Broncos for 2020. A lot of national types, I think, are going to come around to Denver now with Pat Shermer, with Drew Locke. They have the star power, I believe. So don't be surprised if the Cowards and the Skip Baylesses make these predictions. But just as Adam Rank said last year with his 2-14, and 14, they don't have any sort of inside look at the Broncos. They look at a surface level of this team, the roster. So I wouldn't take it to the bank one way or the other. Trust your own instinct as Broncos fans. You guys uh, keep up with the team a lot more than the national types do. It's good that they're getting this sort of publicity but publicity doesn't win games at all. Diego makes a good point, too, in Minnesota. Kyle Rudolph was productive under Shermer and went to a Pro Bowl under Shermer. That's a good point, yeah. All right, last one, guys, and then we got to get out of here for tonight. Comes from Roger on YouTube. He says, do you believe we can get something or even a seventh-round pick for Joe Flacco? Never say never, Zach. I mean, it is the NFL. Sometimes crazy things happen, but the NFL had eight games of tape on Joe Flacco last year. He went two and six. His statistics were ridiculously bad, and he's on the cap for north of $20 million next year. The only way possible I see Joe Flacco getting dealt is to the right team with the right quarterback situation and with Joe Flacco being willing to significantly alter his contract as a part of the, the trade being rubber stamped. And his mindset as well. He said he doesn't want to be a mentor, Chad. What can he bring to the table? He's not a starting caliber quarterback. He doesn't want to be a mentor or a backup. He has a high cap number. What team would give up a draft pick for the guy and not wait for him to be cut by the Broncos? The only precedent last year was Case Keenum and the Redskins traded for him. There's only one team stupid enough to trade for Case Keenum. And that team has a quarterback now. So they're not going to get a, a ham sandwich, a bag of footballs for Joe Flacco. He's not worth that right now. The Broncos will cut him. And what he does from there remains to be seen. All right, I lied. One more. From TJ Hendricks on YouTube, he says, how many tight ends would you carry now, two or three? And is Jano in a position to be the H-back? There is always the possibility because one thing that Janovich, who was a walk-on at Nebraska, which he's, his football story is so awesome, but he was a walk-on at Nebraska. One of the reasons why he was one of the more coveted fullbacks in that class, and when you say coveted, it just means they're getting drafted, right? And, and as opposed to being undrafted guys signed after the fact, there was a couple of tight ends in that class. He was one of them, or excuse me, fullbacks in that class. He was one of them that got drafted. And one of the reasons why is because he had a lot of production with the ball as a fullback at Nebraska. He, We've seen it as a Bronco, Zach. 
he can catch the ball. And when he catches the ball, he can do things with the ball. I mean, his first carry from scrimmage, and granted it wasn't a reception, it was a carry. He took it to the house against the Carolina Panthers back in 2016. So I could see him being tweaked as far as his position because he is a very versatile – he's just a great football athlete. He can can do almost anything the team asks him to do. It's just a matter of are there better options who who can do that out of the gates instead of asking Janovich to learn new things. Only time will tell. But the Broncos, Zach, have a financial commitment to Andy Janovich. So it's in their best interest to try and figure out a way to work him into this tapestry. And, you know, at the end of the day, instead of carrying four tight ends on a roster, maybe under Shermer you're carrying three and you're utilizing that fullback. Hopefully it and probably will be Andy Janovich, you know, with some some different spots in the offense. And I'm good with that. I'm good with yeah. one less tight end, but keeping Janovitz on the roster, he has uh, such high value to the team. Only if only on special teams, Chad, he makes up for his money and his contract there. But on offense, like you said, he can catch, he can run, he can block. Great locker room presence, a great teammate. Uh, the fans love him. The Broncos will keep him around, but I hope they can find a way to utilize him. If Schirmer was smart, he would have a package for Jano on the field. He's a great player to have. The Broncos are lucky in this uh, day and age. And this is a reminder, guys, we don't often harp on this, but for those of you watching us live on YouTube and Facebook, and even if you watch these videos after the fact, even when we're not live, it helps the show out a lot, helps the channel, helps the page out. When you share this video, gets it out to new eyeballs, helps grow the show, helps get those people who didn't maybe know about the show more involved in being Broncos fans. So if you like this show, share it out, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Facebook, grab the link, share it on social, share it on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. We appreciate it. But, guys, that's got to do it for today's show. Appreciate each and every one of you jumping in here and being a part of the conversation with Zach and I, and especially a a tip of the cap and a mile-high salute to our Super Chat superstars. You guys are so awesome. But uh, in the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. We're going to be back in the saddle uh, tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. No holds barred. All questions, make sure you have them ready to rock and roll. We're going to be uh, looking forward to getting to that with you guys. Let me just get this out of here so you can see. Nope, that's not it. There we go. Make sure also you're following my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter for the hottest and the coldest of takes. <laughs> Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Have a good night, you guys. Good uh, rest of your hump day. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube and Facebook. Zach, have a good night, my brother. You too. Favorite time of the night tomorrow, Chad. Can't wait. All right, guys. Broncos country. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.